Today's TribCast is presented by Encore. To meet the demands of Texas's growing population, Encore is innovating for a better energy future. Learn more at Encore.com. Texas talking, oh, what was that that you said? Texas talking, oh, gonna hoop upside your head. Texas talking, tell me who can you trust when Texas gods are in Texas everyone, it's Wendy Davis. You thought you were finished with me, didn't you? But I'm back. I'm here to introduce this week's TribCast. And now, here's your host, Emily Ramshaw. Thank you. This is Emily Ramshaw here with the TribCast for the second week of June. I'm joined by executive editor Ross Ramsey. Well, she sounded all tanned, rested, and ready, didn't she? Yeah, I know. She's probably been on the beach somewhere. <laughs> uh, reporter Patrick Svitek. Oh. And reporter Jim Malowitz. Howdy. Uh, at Jim's suggestion, we are going to call this edition of the TribCast, the Trumpcast, because there are a lot of things related to Donald Trump we're going to discuss today. Um, So for starters, at the end of last week, um, while I was sunning myself in Palm Springs, y'all were back here writing about Trump University and uh, a flap involving the Texas uh, Attorney General's office, I guess then under Greg Abbott. What's the deal? Who can fill me in? Sure. Well, there are a lot of the angles that developed last week. Um, I think, you know, it all went back to this uh, investigation the Attorney General's office opened into Trump University in Texas back in 2010. They're investigating it for possibly uh, deceptive business practices. And um, shortly after they had opened the investigation, Trump University kind of decided just on its own to suspend operations here in Texas. And, um, you know, in any other context, that would have been kind of the end of, of the story. But now we're seeing Trump University, you know, really injected into the presidential race. And so there's a lot of attention being drawn to, uh, first, I would say, these these donations that Trump later gave to Greg Abbott's gubernatorial campaign. At the time of that investigation in 2010, Greg Abbott was the attorney general. Um, I think it was more than three years later, Trump gave two donations totaling $35,000 to Abbott's uh, gubernatorial campaign. And so Demo- you see Democrats and some some Abbott critics drawing attention to that, suggesting that I think the way that the Texas Democratic Party put it was that, you know, Abbott is on the Trump payroll or something. Um, so I mean, that was... <laughs> three. So this is three years later, and what, yeah, $35,000? I, I don't have to for, wait three for, years for my paycheck. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> and I believe he raised tens of millions of dollars, 50 million, 40 well, million. Well, you know, it was... So the, there were two payments. One was, or two donations payments, great. Yeah. Uh, there were two, <laughs> two contributions, 25,000, three years later. <laughs> <laughs> Another ten thousand dollars a year after that, so thirty five thousand total. Yeah, um, it's a lot of money in the scheme of things for you know the most prodigious fundraiser in Texas politics. It's not that big a drop in the bucket. It's a big drop in the bucket, but and, it's a big bucket too. And I guess too, it, it's interesting because yeah, you, you think you know three years later, how is that a quid pro quo? But I guess it is. Um, isn't there something a little bit strange about it? Just because that was Trump's only sort of foray into you know, sure, yeah. Whatever politics. you think about it being quid yeah. pro quo, mm-hmm. um, which people, you know, Abbott's critics have alleged, right. um, you know, certainly stands out when you look at uh, Trump's, you know, giving Political history giving. in yeah. Texas, which is very limited. Right. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Part, Greg Abbott, know, Greg Abbott, nothing, nothing, nothing. Fifty dollars to right. the Tarrant yeah. County Republicans, you know, one year, and then right. all of a sudden thirty-five thousand Abbott. So it stands out in that context. And the other angle that developed last week was we had this former uh, official from the Consumer Protections Division in the uh, Attorney General's office come out and say we actually wanted to bring a case against Trump University in Texas after doing a very thorough investigation. And uh, my bosses, or you know, his bosses, uh, you know, they they essentially nixed it and they said we're not going to uh, you know, bring these charges against Trump University. 
Um, you know, he was asked, you know, did you think this was a political move? Sure. And his answer was, yeah, he basically said, well, you know, at the time, I think we gave Trump special treatment either due to politics or either just due to the fact that he was a very public figure at the time and still is a very public mm-hmm. figure. Um, Abbott's, uh, you know, office, you know, is effectively denying that. Um, they they sent out a, a letter from a, another former official who said that it was he, not Abbott, um, who made that decision not to move forward with the lawsuit. And so, you know, clearly we're seeing a lot of different angles kind of uh, develop. And so are these guys covering for each other or was this or wasn't this political as best as you guys can tell? Well, it's political. The question is whether it's inappropriate. I mean, of course, it's political. It's Donald Trump. It's a giant name. You're the attorney general of Texas. It's not, you know. But wouldn't somebody like Abbott have liked to go after somebody like Donald Trump? I mean, you know. Well, you know, I don't know the answer to this because, you know, my um, I don't keep my email this long. Um, but I don't know if the Abbott AG's office made a big public thing out of we're suing Trump University at the time. Um they, you know, they often do that in, in some of these lawsuits. You know, we're going to the Supreme Court with the Ten Commandments, or we're suing over this, or we're suing yeah. over that. Yeah, I mean, as far as yeah. I can tell, there was never even a news release saying, right. hey, we're starting to look into Trump University. Right. I mean, we, we learned about it, or people learned about it at the time, I think, through mainly public records requests and, you right. know, kind of digging into the office a little bit. It wasn't something, at least as far as I can tell, that they they, they publicized at the time. Mm-hmm. And, it, it, go ahead. Oh, and, and I'm wondering, too, um, Patrick, um, it seems like there's some uh, you know, differences in opinion, maybe about uh, the amount of evidence they had gathered before they decide to not sue. Um, did, did you get a look at some of those documents or, or hear a description of that and, and have a sense of, you know, what was the evidence really strong uh, to detect sure, that? Sure. I mean, case? you know, according to documents that were given to, to media outlets last week, um, you know, they had apparently built, according to this memo again, they had built a pretty strong case. They had, a, you know, I think hundreds of, of potential right, complaints. I think it was like 456 yeah, a cases. A lot of people right. who, you know, had claimed that they were wronged by Trump University in Texas. People who'd gone, what, to like the Better Business Bureau or directly to the AG's nobody, office? Nobody yeah. apparently went directly to the AG's that was kind of interesting. Yeah. 30, that's, 30 that's or 35, problem. you know, yeah. Yeah. something like three dozen people went to various yeah. better but business But this, this investigation, by all appearances, right. you know, seemed to be very thorough. There are parts of it that were undercover. They had the AG's office, again, according to the documents we obtained, you know, sent agents, you know, to these these seminars undercover to, to get the, the skinny on them. So, mm-hmm. right. And well, then they all quit and made a fortune in real estate, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, that's how this ends. Whether or not uh, that was political, one part that certainly felt political actually was this past week, and that is when uh, the current attorney general, Ken Paxton, waded into the, the process and basically filed a, a, a cease and desist, you know, letter against the, the former AG staffer who had originally said it might be political, Correct. Right. So yeah. the guy who was complaining, the guy who was talking to the media and complaining about this, this time uh, is a guy named John Owens. He was the former deputy chief of the Consumer Protection Division yes. in the yeah. Attorney General's office, and the current Attorney General, uh, one of his folks, sent a letter to us and to you know to the media and also to John Owens saying, you know, you may be uh, breaching confidentiality and attorney-client privilege in releasing the documents to the media that you've released. So cut that cut that out. And I thought it was particularly strange. I, I think, you know, various people could have, uh, you know, differences of opinion on, on sending the, the letter itself. But I thought it was strange. I, I believe that was uh, like a news release on the AG's website that we got that letter. It just it was, struck, yeah. struck me as odd to be sort of trumpeting that. Um, and I... Like, what do you make of I th- that? I think it worked, honestly. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. there's been a little nas- little more national coverage this week, but I, I think for the most part, Owens has kept a low profile. Yeah. Well, I think he's kept a low profile, yeah. but it makes it look like something weird yeah. was going on here. It makes right. it look like, you know, why are you shutting this down? What are you hiding over there? Right, and, exactly. and besides which, 
after these cases are closed, aren't they supposed to be open? And if there's an attorney-client privilege, aren't taxpayers the client? You'd think, in theory. I mean, and if, if I were Abbott here, I'd, base, I'd be, you know, I would not say, thank you, Ken Paxton, for coming to my defense. I'd be saying, what the hell are you doing making this? A, cease and desist. <laughs> cease and desist. Now this is a three-day story, you know, versus a one-day drop in the bucket. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, so. Uh, and if you're tuning in on Facebook, just a reminder that you can ask questions and we will field them here. Um, all right. So meanwhile, how is Trump playing in Texas? I mean, you know, there was some questions about whether he was going to be able to raise money here. It sounds like maybe there is a, a sort of fleet of fundraisers ahead. Sure. I think we're starting to see uh, Republican donors in Texas fall in line. I mean, there's been you know some reluctance and there's still a lot of uncertainty about um, the extent to which some of the big players are going to support him, you know, for example, whether they're going to be actively involved in fundraising for the campaign in the RNC, or maybe they're going to be exclusively working with a super PAC. Uh, but I think in general, you're starting to see somewhat of a, a rallying behind Trump among those kind of Republican finance types in Texas. There are certainly still uh, some holdouts. We did a story on, on Monday kind of looking at some of the big names and, and where they stand. Um, and this who, is are all, some, who are some sure. of the big money people who are throwing their weight behind Sure. So Texas. one of the names that we broke in the story was Red McCombs, who's the uh, billionaire from San Antonio, car deal of car dealership fame. <laughs> um, you know, he was very actively involved in fundraising for Ted Cruz's campaign. Um, you know, he talked to us about the kind of, uh, you know, gut, <laughs> I don't know if it's gut-wrenching, but just kind of the painful <laughs> process of going from being so involved in raising money for Ted Cruz um, to now, you know, raising money for Donald Trump or preparing to raise money for Donald Trump. And this is all playing out uh, ahead of next week. Trump is expected to come to Texas and hold, I think, at least three fundraisers in three different cities, maybe make fit a public appearance in there somewhere. It's going to be a pretty big trip, from what I understand. And um, we're starting to hear a little more about the, the hosts of those fundraisers uh, in Dallas. You know, we're going to have uh, Ray Washburn, who's probably one of his most uh, visible fundraisers, inter- prolific fundraisers in Texas. He's working directly with the RNC to raise money for Trump. Um, you know, in San Antonio, uh, Mika Mosbacher, who's, uh, you know, is a former uh, fundraiser for Ted Cruz. She's going to be helping out with that. She's also going to be helping out with one in, in Houston. And then in Houston, Tony Busby, who is the uh, defense lawyer in Rick Perry's indictment, is going to be hosting. Um, so, you know, we're starting to see some some familiar names step forward to, to at least help out. It's a little unclear how, like, enthusiastic they are. I don't know if they're, you know, you know like right. doing cartwheels. But uh... <laughs> Trump, Trump's also trending in Brownsville. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, so, and, and uh, on the flip side, you know, what are we seeing from, from Texas legislators, uh, GOP legislators who had been sort of on the fence or trying to figure it out? I mean, you know, when, when we have Paul Ryan basically saying, you know, this is uh, Trump's comments are basically yeah. the definition of racism, you know, but I won't go so far as to say I could consider supporting Hillary Clinton. I mean, this is a state where, where Republicans have courted Hispanics. Um, you know, how are they feeling? Uh, that, that they've got a radioactive nominee and mm-hmm. they've got to figure out how to handle this. I mean, you know, they're obviously not going for Hillary Clinton. They're Republicans, but um, they're having all kinds of yeah. Um, I mean, there's been like second thoughts, you here. know, the silence this week has been deafening. Not that yeah. I expected like a rush of Texas Republicans to come forward and denounce Trump, but not even like an errant tweet here or there from a state rep or something uh, on the Republican side. That is, yeah. right. you know, I mean, it's just <laughs> it's been silence. I mean, are there any high profile people who are still on the fence here? I think there are a lot of people we haven't heard from. We don't right. even we don't even know if they've found the fence yet. <laughs> yeah. right. well, well, Joe Strauss, I think that the Texas House right. Speaker, you know, he he had said back when. Back when Paul Ryan said he wasn't ready to endorse Trump, he effectively uh, Strauss said he he agreed with Paul Ryan. Now Paul right. Ryan's on the Trump train, so well, you know, I don't know where that leaves Strauss. You've got you've got Greg Abbott, the governor, who's done a pretty artful job of saying I'm going to be with the GOP nominee, but never saying Trump's name. So there's not a piece of video footage or audio tape anywhere where Greg Abbott says, "Me, Donald Trump, 
you know, right. pals. Um, right. And, and it, was, it was kind of fun. Um, uh, Evan um, interviewed Ryan Sitton, the railroad commissioner, right. um, earlier this week, <laughs> and basically said, "Ryan, say his name, say his name." And and, and, and he finally did. But so yeah. the, there was at least one heavy sigh, you know, within his, you know. Endorsement, yeah. and, and then you have you have Will Hurd, the congressman in, in South Texas, who's running for re-election in a swing district uh, against Pete Gallego. Yep. He came out with a statement as soon as Trump became the presumptive nominee and said, "I can't support him until he uh, effectively kind of remedies these problems with how he treats minority groups." Um, and I, I imagine that statement still stands yeah, after, after this, this latest episode. Latest one. Right. Well, speaking of that, um, you know, one person who is not mincing words is uh, a Democratic congressman from Texas, Philemon Vela, who uh, basically blew up the Texas Tribune's website by giving <laughs> us an open letter to Donald Trump in which he basically tells him to shove the border wall where the sun don't shine. Yeah, the, the uh, quote was, Mr. Trump, you're a racist and you can take your border wall and shove it up your ass. There we go. We put ass in yeah. a headline. There was yeah. a landmark day in the Texas Tribune. <laughs> Right. Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. Um, I mean, so, you know, tell me a little bit about, first of all, what's Vela's reputation in Congress? I mean, he's he's not considered somebody who you normally expect to be, like, bombastic and outspoken, is he? No, more workhorse than show horse. Yeah, you know, that's kind my of, understanding. You know, um, he's, a, I guess, a sophomore uh, congressman now, a political family in South Texas. He's not the kind of guy you'd expect a letter from this necessarily, <laughs> like this from necessarily. Um but, you know, he obviously wanted to, you know, punch Trump in the nose for what he's been saying and do it in a way where everybody saw that Trump was being punched in the nose for this. You know, he just didn't – looks like he didn't feel like anybody was standing up to him and felt like he should step in. I mean, why did this make such big headlines? Like, you know, <clears throat> a lot of people have, have have shit all over Donald Trump. I mean, you know, why this sort of um, not very prominent, you know, big name Texas congressman, you know – it's like a first. It's like the, one of the early. The shock value of it, yeah. I suppose. Probably There's partly was. that, but it's also he was. You know, a lot of the shots at Trump have been really timid. You know, sure. starting with from 16 presidential candidates. Oh, I was going to say Rick Perry and, did the best job of all at the beginning. Yeah, last July until the, he decided in, to in support his speech, him. which you know, I guess he's now swallowed um, and eaten whole. Um, <laughs> It was delicious. Yeah, it was delicious. <laughs> um, but you know, nobody's really sort of stood up and and um, really made a fist against this guy. And Vela's. Um, the first one to punch the bullet, especially from the, the from the border like that, someone right. who represents that part of the state. I mean, I'm sure there are you know elected officials down there have been you know outspoken against Trump, but for someone of you know his stature as a congressman from the border, just stand up and say something so attention grabbing. I don't language. think we, we've seen that before. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, well, before we move on from Trump, we, uh, one question from Facebook: Travis Cooper asks, any chance of Abbott as VP? No. I don't think so. If you no. won't even say Trump's name, I don't, <laughs> right. I don't think he's a likely candidate. Yeah. I'm happy to be here with himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that person. Right. All right. Um, well, speaking of bombastic language, um, Patrick, you had a story this morning about, or maybe it was late last night, about the new Travis County GOP chairman, uh, a uh, conspiracy theorist by the name of Robert Morrow, uh, and the efforts the party is undertaking to try to sort of rein him in. What's the latest on that? Sure. So if we, if we recall back in the March 1st elections, Morrow was, uh, you know, surprisingly uh, elected over, you know, the in- incumbent chairman, James Dickey. And, and it's surprising because? Um, he was, he did not run a campaign effectively. Um, you know, Dickey was well known. I thought you meant for some of his beliefs. <laughs> I was offering you an he's opportunity writing, to tell he's, us He's about had the craziest yeah. email list for, you know, <laughs> at, you know, more than a decade. Um you know, he believes LBJ was complicit in the killing of John F. Kennedy. Mm-hmm. 
and, 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 and. I mean, all kinds of stuff. Everything you, know, you would imagine under a tinfoil hat. His Twitter feed has occasionally included pictures that include, like, you know, naked women. Naked. I mean, occasionally is an understatement. Porn. Yeah. Yeah. He scolded our former fellow um, Jordan Rudner for not saying the N word. Oh, right. He's, he's really a class act all around. Everybody yeah. has a story. Um, yep. <laughs> and yep. so, uh, you know, ever since that March 1st election, the, the, the county party has been trying to figure out ways to limit his power. And so last night at their executive committee meeting, they, they decided on this model in which they would take away some power from the chairmanship by creating a steering committee that would, you know, essentially handle the day-to-day operations of the party. A lot of these just kind of, you know, you know, housekeeping responsibilities in some ways. Um, you know, this would still let him retain the bully pulpit, though. I mean, you can't, at the end of the day, you know, they can't take that away from him. And he's, honestly, he's pretty cool with it all. <laughs> you know, he's told me and other reporters that as long as, you know, he can continue to you know, push these uh, conspiracy theories against elected officials under the banner right. of the Travis County Republican Party. Um, you know, as long as he can continue to, to raise what he thinks are serious issues with these people, that he's he's fine. He doesn't seem to have much of an interest in, in actually running the party. All that, he wanted right. was the bully pulpit in the first place, right? <laughs> exactly. And so it's been a rather, you know, despite all the, you know, the bombast and the bluster, you know, that you would, you would think would come with this, it's been a pretty smooth transition. And the, the votes last night uh, that moved in the direction of creating the steering committee were, you know, there, there was some opposition. There was a little heated debate here and there, but it was overall it was a pretty cordial meeting and people got down to business and, and do what they needed to do. But, uh, do. Do y'all think, I mean, is there much else to that storyline now? I mean, if, if he's not making decisions and he's already said all of these things that have gotten our attention, I mean, what else could get our attention from him? Well, I mean, I, I do think there are That's questions dangerous. around the people who the Republican Party elects. I mean, you know, Mary Lou Bruner, the SBOE candidate who almost got elected, right. you know, she might have gotten elected outright in the primary um, if not for, you know, a handful of votes. You know, she's she's a sort of known conspiracy theorist. I mean, I think there are questions about who's ending up on the ballot. Uh, I don't know. I mean, well, you know, voters don't pay and... attention a lot of times. You know, Ron Reynolds True. got reelected to the House in spite of um, some felony convictions that he's appealing, and in spite of um, an accusation that he stole. The, well, it's not an accusation anymore; it's settled in, in civil court that he stole the money that he received in, on behalf of a woman whose daughter had died in an automobile accident. He was ordered to pay her three times as much money as he collected in the first place. You know, voters obviously weren't paying attention in that race. Mm. I mean, isn't this an embarrassment? I mean, you know, at what point does the Republican Party say, you know, how the hell are these the candidates that we're ending up with? We're the Democrats. Reynolds is a Democrat. Yeah, right. But in the case of Morrow. Right. Um, Or is this like Britney Spears in conservatorship? It's like (laughs) (laughs) she's a great performer, still draws a lot of fans, and but she's not making any of her own decisions. I think that's probably right. Yeah, I mean, I think there's still plenty of lingering concern that he's going to hurt the image of the, the the party in the state. I mean, who knows? You know, I mean, again, we're a very you know Republican state, but who knows what other candidates are tied to Robert Morrow? You know, I think that was some of the concern with local politics in Travis County, um, is you know using him to you know as the face of the Republican Party here. So I think yeah, the reputational damage. I think the potential for that is still is still out there. I'm still trying to get my head around the comparison of Britney Spears and Robert Morrow, but. <laughs> Well, you know, like people who can't make decisions. Do you know the whole backstory on Britney Spears? I, probably not. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully our viewers do and listeners okay. do. He's yeah. probably tweeted about her before. I'm, yeah. I'm sure. No I'm doubt. sure that he has. I'm sure it was a respectful tweet. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, Ross, you had a good column this week on gubernatorial appointees and basically how far behind uh, the Texas governor is. So were there, what, like 300 last Yeah, more than 300. Week? So um, explain to us what, what that means. So there's a provision in the Constitution that says if you're – 
replacement, if you're an appointee approved by the Senate and your term expires and the governor has not appointed you a replacement, you remain in office. It's called a holdover appointment. And there are 336 some odd appointees um, who are in that condition, including nine who were whose terms expired before Greg Abbott became governor. So Rick Perry didn't replace them, and Greg Abbott hasn't replaced them yet. A couple of them are really prominent. The, the one that really stuck out to me was uh, Brian Shaw, who's on the Texas um, Commission on Environmental Quality, big environmental regulatory agency. Um, it's a big job, and it's one of those things where you look at it and you say, surely he had somebody he wanted to put in there. <clears throat> um, the people on there, there's four of them on the Texas Ethics Commission, some of them appointed by the governor, some of them appointed by the lieutenant governor and the speaker that a particular group that's been warring with the Ethics Commission would like to see replaced, Empower Texans and um, Texans for Fiscal Responsibility, which were affiliated nonprofit political groups. Um, they want to see those guys replaced and, and kind of kicked this off by saying the governor ought to... Um, name new appointees to those things. One of their lawyers, Joe Nixon, former House member, also said, tried to contend that um, all of the decisions the Ethics Commission had made since their terms expired were void. There's a constitutional provision that says they're still in office. So, you know, um, looks like the Constitution protects all those decisions. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this is the primary way that governors wield their power, is it not? I mean, Rick Perry, right. you know, basically was so powerful because he had made every appointment ever. Yeah, two and a third times. He, right. he went all the way through the thing. Wouldn't about Abbott, in theory, want to get those wheels in motion? You would think so, especially with big, uh, giant, you know, and, and he's appointed a lot of people. But, you know, to some of these important things, you know, the Brian Shaw thing sticks out. Uh, ethics is a big deal with the journalists and the legislators and those, you know, maybe not so much to voters. But there's some, you know, some juicy appointments in here. And um, they have to work their way through the list. Now, somebody over there told me that when Perry left, um, and I guess this is the normal course of business, but we haven't done it in 14 years, when a governor leaves they basically take all the files with them. So all the people who've applied for or been vetted <laughs> for various appointments, it's just like quack, start over, empty wow. file cabinets. So huh. that's part of the excuse. But it's been, you know, 15 months now that Greg Abbott's been governor. So uh, some catching up to do. Yeah, seriously. Uh, all right, well, we had big news last night, and I guess the AP called it the day before, but that, that Hillary Clinton has um, clinched the nomination. Is that big news here in Texas? Or is it just sort of a flash in the pan? Um, I don't think it's big news. Um, I mean, even in terms of uh, party unity, there weren't that many, you know, major political – any political figures in Texas really backing Bernie Sanders. I right. mean, it's, there's no one to call up this morning and say, hey, are you now supporting yeah, right. Hillary Clinton? How disappointed I mean, are you, right? You know, yeah, Texas exactly. Democrats, you know, were pretty solidly behind her. Um, and I think, you know, as far as Texas's role in the, in the presidential race now, it's just going to be, you know, how much Texas Democrats are energized, not just for Hillary Clinton, but against uh, Donald Trump. I mean, mm -hmm. that's probably the, the storyline going forward in some mm -hmm. ways. Right. I mean, and do we is there will there be any news in that regard or is that, you know, just going to be sort of like the predictable outcome? I mean, you know, in Texas, you yeah, mean? in Texas, you know, it's it's still a red state from a voting standpoint. I'm curious to see, you know, Patrick's. Um, gone in and out of this as 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 the race has gone along. I'm curious to see how much money she raises here, how much money right. Trump raises here. You know, Texas is 
if not an important vote for Democrats, an important donor state for Democrats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's interesting. You know, we had a landmark when when Clinton ran against Obama in Texas. Obviously, the outcome was far different. I mean, it's it's sort of interesting to see how big of a role Texas is going to play in in you know in sure. promoting her going forward. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure both the candidates will be back here for for fundraising. It'll be interesting to see, you know, I guess, you know, at least according to one report, I saw Trump may have a public event when he comes back for fundraising, which that's, you know, an interesting decision. by Public fundraising event? Just a public public rally. rally. Well, and in the middle of a, he's he's in Texas while the Democratic State, Democratic Party State Convention is going on. So that could be a a rumble. We have that coming up next week. Yeah, what are you expecting out of the Democratic (laughs) Convention? Uh, yawns mostly. I mean, yeah. they don't. They, it's you know, Texas has a relatively um, non-impactful ballot. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some congressional races and some things, but there aren't any big giant statewide races, a governor's race or a senate race or anything like that. As we said, the the presidential race isn't particularly competitive. Doesn't appear to be at this point. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that the party, you know, hasn't announced any um, yeah. enormous speakers or anything like that. They yet. have the Castro brothers who yeah, sort and, of, and Joaquin. You know, the yeah, hometown boys come home. Right. Um, so, you know, there's still a chance yeah, that some of the... Yeah, maybe Philip is going to give them a run for that VP. <laughs> well, I was going to say, he, he, may, yeah. he, may, yeah. he may be the big draw. It may yeah. be the first appearance really yeah. since the since the letter. Yeah. Just read your letter out loud. You know? <laughs> yep. um, it's like build the waltz. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yep. Um, well, one of our new fellows, Corey, had a, a great story yesterday looking at uh, um, Ted Cruz and John Cornyn uh, being sort of back together on an unusual topic. What was that? <laughs> was, were they in a gondola in Venice or something? <laughs> uh, they were co-hosting a uh, basically, you know, a congressional hearing on um, uh, finding ways to return art that the Nazis stole. Correct, Patrick? Yes, yeah, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, 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 trying to return it to to its rightful owners. And and the two of them the were sort of co-hosting it. Um, you know, you don't see the two of them sort of on the Well, on Helen the Mirren was one of the witnesses. Say, like, Helen Mirren yeah. maybe brought them together. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm right. going ign- <laughs> to ignore our, our <laughs> disagreements because together. they both have because Helen Mirren <laughs> right. shelf at home. Yeah, right. <laughs> Although she said some uh, pretty <laughs> rocky things about, about Cruz, I believe, in the past. So Yeah. It, she's been more against Trump than Cruz, but I yeah. think she's she swiped at Cruz a little bit in the past as well. So She didn't yeah. get to vote. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> Not yet. Yeah. Right. No, it's interesting yeah. to see this is one of those kind of causes that Cruz is taking up or highlighting as he kind of transitions back into Senate from the campaign trail. He's kept a pretty mm-hmm. low profile um, since he got back. Uh, before this, he got in, before this hearing yesterday, he got into a bit of a spat with John McCain on the Senate floor about a defense authorization mm-hmm. bill, uh, where you know Cruz talked about how he's likely to uh, oppose it for I think this is the fourth year in a row. Right. McCain um, basically said Cruz is always looking for <laughs> you know one tiny line yeah, in a bill so exactly. he can oppose it. So, Tal, yeah. Tal snapped him a little yeah. bit for not serving <laughs> exactly. in the military. Yeah. So we're seeing Cruz reemerge a little bit in the Senate. All right. Um, Well, finally, before we wrap up, we need to correct the record on a previous TribCast conversation we had around um, some parents filing suit over standardized testing in Texas. Ross, give us the lowdown. So a small group of families in Texas has filed suit against the TEA, and they basically say that the STAR tests, these are the standardized tests given to kids, are illegal assessments right now because, the, in their view, the Texas Education Agency is not following a law set by the legislature last time that said, and they say basically say the assessments are too expensive to the state, that they're putting too much pressure on the kids, that it's not a true accountability system. The law says that 85% of the kids have to be able to complete the test in two hours or less, and that the TEA hadn't certified that, and in fact, many kids take four hours to finish it. Um, and also, they contend that um, TEA has not gotten a 
statutorily required third-party review, not the vendor, not TEA, but somebody else looking at the test to of see if the, the tests. Right. Oh to, well, the Texas Tribune would be welcome. Would be happy to, to see take if them. it's a, <laughs> yeah. a, a properly um, set up accountability system. So they filed suit. They're waiting as we speak for the first response from the TEA, and you know, we're off to litigation. Do we expect to see more legislation in the 2017 session around assessment? I mean, this is always I, such a hot button issue. It, you know, this is this poll's so crazy. I mean, you know, people want accountability systems and demand that the school system produce something for the money that they get, and they want some way to measure that. And if you poll it that way, everybody says, yes, we want accountability measures and all of that. But then when you respond to that with standardized tests and say, we're going to test all the kids and see how they did at the beginning, see how they did at the end, see if they advanced. Um, you can get into systems where people say, you know, the standardized tests are generally a good idea, but have become too onerous and are guiding curriculum instead of the other way around. So, it, you know, this is an old fight. And it's, uh, you know, if you're a political person or, or an elected person, to some extent, you're trapped in the middle here. But um, parents vote. And Strauss has given uh, the speaker has given some direction to the House on um, on school finance, correct, but not right. necessarily on assessments. So his well, I think you know there are always a pile of bills filed on assessments. You know we need more of them, we need fewer of them. We need to concentrate on these areas and concentrate less on those areas. And I expect all of that's going to be back this time. I think this is you know with the Supreme Court, Texas Supreme Court, um, saying that the Texas school finance system is constitutional but screwed up. I think there's going to be a lot of legislation to look at. All right, great. Um, well, that's all the time we have. If you have questions or comments, you can email them to tribcast at texastribune.org. Uh, we also hope that our listeners will leave reviews on iTunes, which helps us to reach even more uh, folks, even more fans. Uh, you can also sign up for Tribcast Alerts at texastribune.org slash tribcast. Thanks to Shiny Ribs for doing our music. And on behalf of Patrick, Jim, Ross, our producers Todd and Rodney, uh, this is Emily. Thanks for listening. Texas talking. 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 Texas talking.